Hello and welcome to the third season of the Shinecast, where we're having conversations with students, staff, and faculty at the University of Guelph around mental health, mental illness, how we cope, and how we thrive. I'm your host, Jordi Lescard, and this season I'm joined by our new host, Marco Paulino. We're peer wellness educators at the Wellness Education and Promotion Center. And this season we're speaking with folks about navigating complex family relationships, academic burnout, coping during COVID, and much more. Join us this semester as we share these stories with you every two weeks. Shinecast may touch on potentially triggering material. Take care of yourself while listening and know that it's okay to take a break or skip on to the next episode. Check out the episode description for full details on what we'll be talking about. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Today we have Isabella Mangiapani. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. I hope so. <laughs> Bella is a third-year student majoring in agricultural science and minoring in business. Bella sits on a sexual violence advisory committee as a student rep and is involved with the Women in Agriculture Club and also enjoys intramural sports. Just to begin, what got you into um, uh, agricultural science and uh, minoring in business? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, you guys. So it kind of started, like, I'm from Burlington, so it's kind of like a suburb area, but my grandparents actually live out in like Hamilton, like farm country. And so like I kind of grew up like every weekend, like going to help them. They had like a greenhouse vegetable operation. They still have a farm now, but they're retired. But yeah, every my weekends consisted of like going, like picking in the fields and like packing things off to be shipped and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I kind of like grew up just around agricultural or agriculture in general, I always kind of like knew nothing else like sparked my interest enough that I wanted to study and I was like passionate about. So golf was like the perfect option for me. But what was it like, um, like coming to university for the first time? It was like a huge change for me, I would say, like living off on my own and like, like I was given a lot of like independence and like responsibility growing up, but it was just like, it kind of like hit me really hard when I first came to university because it was like more than I expected. Um, did you move in on residence? I did, yeah. Yeah. So like you're meeting lots of new people and like did you do you have any family that was like in in Guelph or were like you away from all your family as well? No, I was away from all my family. And like yeah, growing up like just like being Italian, like being around your family all the time is like a personality trait. That was like totally different, not like Yeah, I have being to agree to with that. <laughs> uh, like a lot of my friends back home are also Italian and mm. not many of them moved away for university I was the only one who moved away so it's a yeah. big change like moving away from all your friends and family which is like what you're so used to and to like a new place where you don't know anyone and you're trying to fit in and so like what was that like like for you like say like in your first like few months being in university it was really hard Normally, like, I don't have, like, a hard time making new friends. And I'm, like, sure I wasn't, like, the only one who felt like this. But I just felt, like, so isolated and, like, alone. And, like, I remember, like, calling my mom, like, one weekend. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have, like, no friends. I don't know anyone. She really advocated for me. She's like, just go out, be yourself. You'll make friends. Like, you know, talk to people in your lecture and stuff. My mission for, like, the first couple months was, like, I just, like, need to find, like, a good set of friends and, like, people that I can rely on. Was there anything that helped you sort of find that support system? 
I think just, like, stepping out of my comfort zone and, like, I made it my mission to be, like, talk to, like, people in my classes and, like, kind of, like, make the first move and, like, initiate things. Like I said, like, I'm sure some people were feeling the same way and didn't want to, like, reach out or anything. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to make the first move. And that's a, that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big step for, like, a, a student, like, coming to a new space and then, like, trying to build connections with people. I know in my experience that was something that was, like, I really had to make a conscious effort to to talk to other people and try and make friends because like naturally i would just want to kind of hide away if you will like i'm just kind of a introverted type of person so like i usually just want to like like if i'm out in public i'm just thinking about when i get home was that like successful for you like like did you just go like ask people in lectures and what they were doing in the class like for coffee stuff like that and then like did you make a lot of friends that way like how, how did that work for you I did, yeah. It was kind of like, it kind of just happened naturally. Like, I just talked to someone, and I'm like, okay, I need to get their number. And then, like, sometimes I would text them later in the week, like, hey, going for dinner, um, do you want to join me or something? After, like, a couple weeks or so, like, I ended up finding some friends within my program that, like, I'm still, like, really good friends with today, and, like, I live with them and stuff. So kind of, like, being able to found my support system that way and yeah it's been great yeah so like you say you like you moved in with some of the people you met what, mm-hmm. what was that like um it was definitely different and like people always say like you know someone could be your best friend but you can't always like live with them and stuff yeah um, for, for sure <laughs> but yeah. the girls that I live with <laughs> they're like amazing it's like everything I could have dreamed of which is awesome like we moved into our place during COVID like during like the whole online semester there so that was a little bit different and like I know sometimes it was hard because we were like seeing each other all day every day because no one was really going out to go to classes and like all our routines were like the same but like we made it work we got through it and I think too it like brought us closer a bit more so then kind of like solidified our friendship a bit more that's nice so you and all of your roommates like stuck together during the quarantine yeah and um, actually, we were all, like we're all in the same program, like a couple different majors, but we uh, shared a lot of the same courses. So that was kind of nice because like just trying to get help like online if we needed help with courses, there's like a bit of a disconnect. So it was nice to just like walk down the hall and like ask my roommate like, hey, do you know question whatever? And like they were able to like help you with that. Also, you did a really good job, it seems like, of getting involved on campus. You're with the Sexual Violence Advisory Committee, and you're in Women in Agriculture Club. Uh, how did you get, sort of get involved with those? The Women in Agriculture Club, um, that one I joined in first year. I just think it's, like, an important topic because, like, everyone always sees, like, the farmer, like, identifying as, like, male, just to kind of bring, like, a bit more, like, advocacy for like women so I was like this is a perfect club like I need to join the sexual um, violence and advisory committee there was like a I just came across like a posting that um, they needed like a student to fill a spot for I reached out and they said we have like uh, spots for students to come join like the advisory committee and I kind of went through like a personal experience where like it kind of affected me a little bit. So um, I kind of 
searched it out to uh, try and see if there's like anything I could do as like a volunteer for like the cause and just bring awareness to it as well. Um, I did a bit more research on that and was like, you know what, this is something that like I want to get involved in if I can help, you know, make um, like my experience and like other experiences of people like a little bit better then like mm-hmm. it's something like I wanted to be involved in. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's, to, I'm, I'm sorry that you had to experience that at all. That's, that's, uh, that's terrible, but I am, I find it really admirable that you, you know, your kind of response is to like get into, you know, to be active about it mm-hmm. and, and help others. I think that's, yeah, that's really that's amazing. Really commendable. Um, how do you make time for like your your mental health and well-being? Because I know that's something that can suffer um, for students when they have a lot of responsibilities and are doing a lot of things that like mental health kind of gets put to the side. But sometimes I'm like able to make it work and do like check-ins with myself and manage it. But like lately, um, I've been going through like periods of burnout, and so mm-hmm. like, I don't really don't have like the best judgment of like knowing when my limit is so sometimes I overload myself and then just like mentally I'm burnt out and so sometimes like that'll happen like I'll just like won't have the energy to like respond to people or I still manage to get like the hard deadline stuff done but um other stuff I'll just like throw around and not really be um like stay on top of it in the best way yeah it's it's definitely tricky and it's like something like that I've struggled with to kind of like ensure that like I book time like for my mental health like into my schedule whether it just be like oh just taking time like reading for fun or just you know taking a bath this weekend or something like that and just like practicing like that mindfulness. So when you say like checking in do you mean like just like almost like a mindfulness thing of like seeing how you're feeling and then like dealing with things that way or like do you mean like in a more like kind of formal way like do you see counselors or anything is there like I guess what I'm trying Um, to ask is like what exactly do you mean by by check-in so I definitely do a bit of both like I've got a lot of tools and skills to sometimes do like my own check-ins I didn't actually like getting to counseling until I think it was like the beginning of this year yeah that was when I finally, like, um, was able to access, like, counseling and, like, ther- like weekly therapy sessions. What, what, and just kind uh, of, like, what inspired you to do that? Like, what made you want to go seek therapy? Um, it was kind of, like, a buildup of things. So, like, last Christmas break, like, after, like, the first real semester of online, like, I wasn't doing um, that well mentally. And I kind of went into like a depressive stage, like the whole winter break. And like, I was like still a um, functioning member of society. Like I was like going to work almost every day and stuff. But I kind of felt like I was just like a zombie in my own body. And it was so like mechanical and I wasn't really in touch with myself. And then I actually had an incident happen where I had to go to the hospital. And so it was actually, I ended up, like cutting myself by accident and it ended up like needing stitches 
how did you uh <clears throat> how did you cut yourself like were you like in the kitchen or something or I was actually helping my sister move over the Christmas break into her place at Brock like she was living on residence and like I was helping her open boxes and stuff and then like the knife slipped and like gave me a huge gash that I need to go like go get stitches for um where, where, where were you cut like around my wrist so it's in the like a very suggestive area oh. but like it was an accident but the doctor that I went to go see that stitched me up he put on my like report I don't think he really like believed my story and he really thought it was like a self-harm so of course that went to my doctor and like it was like unfortunate what happened but in a way I kind of look at it like as a blessing in disguise but because it kind of like started the talk about like my own mental health and that was kind of like the spark that set it off and my doctor actually suggested like like after a conversation about a lot of things he suggested that I seek out therapy and I wanted to when I was younger I just didn't have like the means of doing so so I was kind of like and this is like the perfect way to get started so like when you were like younger you wanted to go to therapy why yeah like the earliest I can rem- remember is like being in grade five and I was having like a huge like breakdown which I I didn't know how to like properly react to it kind of like gauge my emotions and reactions and like I knew like in my like heart deep down I was like there's something like I need to go like get help for this and I like remember like reaching out to my mom saying like I uh like I really need to go talk to someone like I need to go see a therapist just like um my family's like very traditional so kind of like any talk of like mental health is uh like it's a very touchy like subject like I don't blame her at all because it it's hard to be like vulnerable and even like kind of like approach the subject but she was like well you don't really want to go see someone because like then you're going to open a big can of worms and like then you're going to find out something's wrong with you and like do you want to find out something's wrong with you and like those were very like big words and I basically got like scared into like oh like I shouldn't be talking about my mental health because I know that there's issues here and as soon as I do everything's not going to be fine anymore ever since then I was like and being in grade five I like had no idea how to access resources on my own and even felt like feel like strong enough to go and do so and kind of like worried about the consequences of like my family finding out that I would go access the resources but so there's kind of so like a <clears throat> like a developed anxiety about therapy and, and talking about mental health because like you know you're you know like nine or ten you mm-hmm. know and you're you're thinking about that but then the reaction you get is like no 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 don't go there and yeah so, like off that like I imagine that kind of made you feel alone and and kind of isolated with those with those kind of feelings like those mental health Mm -hmm. like that topic was kind of something you had to keep to yourself Um, yeah did you find like you kind of carried that attitude all the way up until like like this year like earlier this year definitely that's why like that like trip to the ER where I had to go get stitches was like really that blessing in disguise and like even though like my parents were really upset that that doctor suggested it was self-harm I'm kind of like 
thank God for that doctor. Like, it kind of, like, was the gateway to, like, open the conversation because I just didn't know how to, like, bring it up myself with my doctor. It just, like, helps breach, like, a such a, like, a touchy subject. So now that that, like, conversation kind of opened up for you mm-hmm. and you're, like, talking with, like, a therapist, um, mm-hmm. what was that like? I definitely had, like, a lot of anxiety and stigma surrounding it. It took me a while to get and find, like, the therapist that, like, I still have today. Um, I went through, like, a couple other people, all, like, virtual and online. I had, like, uh, like one therapist tell me that she wasn't able to help me. And kind of, like, hearing that didn't help to, like, my whole stigma around it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah, so, and, like, those exact words, too. And, like, they held, like, a lot of power within them. And I'm, like... And then, of course, like, you start thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, uncurable. Like, there's no hope for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, oh, this is what therapy's like. Then it kind of, like, ruined and, like, tainted my image of it. Eventually, I did, like, find the therapist that I have, like, that I still talk to today. And, like, she's, like, super amazing. And she's helped me so much just to, like, kind of work through my own challenges and even, like, challenge my way of thinking. Because mm-hmm. I definitely think in, like, a black and white. She kind of, like, helps me approach the talk- topic of, like, gray thinking is allowed and um, kind of, like, change my perspective on things, too. So overall, like, it was, like, a like a more positive experience than negative after a while? Like, you found yeah. it was... Once I uh, stuck it out and kind of like was able to like open up and it's hard to be vulnerable, but um, we just like created a safe space and like I can be totally honest with her. Whereas like sometimes I'll like kind of like change the truth, but with her, like I'm just able to like let it all out, kind of like analyze what I want to and like give me strategies to like move forward in situations. You mentioned gray thinking versus black and white thinking. I was just looking for a, a bit more on that because I've never never heard of that kind of thinking before. So, like, black and white is, like, it's kind of, like, the extremes. So, basically, like, I'll kind of, like, look at things in extremes. Um, if, like, I'm talking to, like, a boy and, like, he doesn't text me back or something, um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, doesn't like me, not into me. Or if, like, he responds right away, I'm like, oh, this guy's, like, so into me. Like, kind of, like, stuff like that. But the gray thinking is, like, it comes in with, like, oh, he's not responding right away. Oh, maybe he's doing something or he's busy. It's tricky to do. Like, I'm not, I still struggle with it a bit. But to kind of just, like, take a step back before you, like, snowball into, like, both sides of the extreme. It's definitely, like, a way to, like, challenge your thinking. I don't mm-hmm. know if that helped. It's not the best example. <laughs> no, it was, a good, it was a good example. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think I understand. Like, there's, like, you'll either think something's fantastic, like, oh, great, mm-hmm. or, like, awful. And so, like, your feelings are kind of, like, really up or really down. Mm-hmm. And, like, your your assumptions are either really positive or really negative. And so, like, that, I can see how, like, that, like... One could be exhausting because it's a lot of high emotion, mm-hmm. um, but also like there's a lot of in between that can be lost. 
But when you when you were going to therapy, were you looking for like a like a mental health diagnosis of some kind, or were you looking for more like situational therapy? Hmm. I definitely like flip flop. One thing like my uh, therapist has pointed out that I like take to quite well is like psychoeducation, looking at from that like logistical and like clinical perspective in a way. Um, so, by, so what? So what do you mean by psychoeducation? Like theories, like reading up on things, like reading like scientific papers and stuff, and like people's research mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, I, I kind of flip flop. Like some days I'm like, I really want like a diagnosis, and then other days it's like I just want to like talk about like this in the moment and like how I reacted to this situation. At first, I was a little bit scared of getting diagnosed with anything. I eventually did end up seeing like a psychiatrist. Like I got diagnosed with like manic depression and anxiety as well. And um, we've kind of looked into like borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. I was kind of okay with like learning about like borderline like BPD because I didn't know too much about it. So I kind of did my own research and stuff on it. But bipolar was, like, a big one for me because just to me, like, it's heavily stigmatized because, like, whether, like, seeing it in media, like, characters portraying, like, being bipolar or just, like, my own understanding of it because I already had, like, a premeditated, like, understanding of it. That was, like, a little bit hard to kind of even, like, like approach the subject about. What, What in particular, like, about getting a diagnosis was scary I think it's to kind of like I was like so torn like part of me was like I need to like understand myself more and like I think a diagnosis would be helpful to do that but the other part of me was like as soon as you get that diagnosis I know this is not true but like I believed that I would only be like under that umbrella and then Mm -hmm. everything that applied to say BPD or everything that applied to like bipolar disorder like I would experience and so that's kind of like goes back to the black and white thinking like those extremes like that's not always the case like Mm -hmm. um you can be diagnosed with bipolar disorder but you don't exhibit every symptom or there's there's like four different types of it that you could classify under that get more specific and like you could be a mix of bipolar disorder and like BPD yeah, I think that's part of the stigma that still needs to be broken, because uh, you no know, one is like defined by their diagnosis. Like like you said, nothing is black and white. Is there anything that you think like people really get wrong about either depression or anxiety or BPD or any of those? Hmm, that's a really good question. One thing that I've noticed is that like there's a lot of like fluctuation to it and like sometimes like it's not always just like you're feeling one or the other it's like a mixture of both like sometimes I don't always like fit into the category of like having a depressive episode for the day some days I do so sometimes people like tend to overlook it as well and say like oh like I've had people say like oh that doesn't apply to you like you seem so like you're a functioning member of society. You seem so like confident in yourself and um, like you have your stuff together. But sometimes like people don't always know like what's going on behind the scenes. So like mm-hmm. sometimes 
that can be overlooked as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, I have dysthymia, which is just like a persistent depressive disorder. Basically, it just means that like my general mood is kind of lower than the average person. And so like if I have a bad day, it's a, like I get really, really depressed and it's kind of harder for me to have a, a good day. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I understand it. But people are usually surprised by that because when I'm talking to people, I'm like really like trying to be upbeat and joking around and like, like, oh, well, you seem happy like a mm-hmm. lot of the time. I'm like, yeah, but like there's, you know, you saw me for an hour today while I was on, you know, like mm-hmm. when I'm alone, like I, I sank right back down. And so I think that's something that like a lot of people do with things that are kind of uncomfortable almost like out of a way of sympathizing with the other person because it's like they don't want to necessarily acknowledge depression or anxiety or, or illness because it's it's uncomfortable and they want to like lighten the mood but be like no no it's it's fine like you're okay like it's as a way to kind of like smooth over the discomfort and so like i think part of that is like it comes from a genuine place of like just wanting to help and be kind mm-hmm. to others um but at the same time it kind of makes it so people don't want to share um anything about mental health because they uh they're met with a lot of ways to kind of like sequester the topic and kind of put it in the corner which is something that mm-hmm. i find particularly interesting because like with other um like almost anything else in health it's not really treated that way you know if you say you you know, you have the flu. People are like, no, no, you're fine. <laughs> Just, you know, like, know. don't worry about it. It's like, no, they'll be like, yeah, like, go home, get some rest. You know, like, there's things yeah. you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, mental illness, it's it's not it's not treated in that way. It's not like, it's almost like they just don't want to talk about it. And so it's kind of isolating, mm-hmm. I found. And so I can see why there would be anxiety about um, about accepting like a diagnosis mm-hmm. um, no I definitely resonate with that um, and I think that's like an interesting point too there's like a, like and there shouldn't be like a divide but like there's a difference between like physical health and like mental health if someone is like in my case I had an open like wound like you're gonna get stitched up you're gonna get help for it it's not like oh you're fine just like let it bleed out, scab over, whatever. Like, yeah. um, you're going to, like, get that help right away. Whereas, like, and even, like, I'm sure other people can, too, when someone asks you how you're feeling. Like, it's, like, the automatic response is, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, everything's good. No one kind of, like, wants to, like, scratch the surface of, like, or even go deeper of how they're really feeling. Yeah, and I think, like, that sort of stigma is held a bit stronger by the older generation because i think it was much less talked about when they were um growing up or like in their their age Mm -hmm. um and you sort of mentioned that with your parents as well um Mm -hmm. do you find that like after you've started seeing the therapist that your parents have opened up more to the idea they have yeah it's like been like a completely different shift and i've actually gotten like really like closer to my mom because of it and she like always checks in with me kind of like talk to her about like the story of like 
not being like wanting to access help and not being able to do it because I was kind of like cornered off and shut down and like her understanding is and she also grew up in like a very traditional family where like you keep your mouth shut and like that's it she's kind of like I didn't she didn't really understand me and like why I was acting the way I did like from like a mother's perspective like no one wants to see like their baby in pain whether it be like physically or emotionally so like her initial response is just to cover it up and like the pain goes away Mm -hmm. but that's not always the case going to therapy and I've been very like open about my mental health with him and like having discussions and, and educating as well like I've shared videos with them and I'm like really showcase that it's important to me and I want it to be important for them too as well whether it be like mine or even their own and with my dad too like I've always like had a hard time opening up to him because with him like I always like everything's fine we always like joke around and stuff we never really like go into like deep conversations like that and starting like the conversation with him too like he's been struggling with some things I've kind of like shared like tips and skills that like I've learned to deal with it and like they've helped to like benefit him and his own like mental health as well so definitely that's fantastic yeah <laughs> i think why there's a little bit of a disconnect between parents and children about mental health parents are typically trying to be resilient for their children there's a certain vulnerability in just talking about anything mental health or and some people kind of want to avoid it in order to like in a way to su- be able to still support someone like mm-hmm. like as a man like that's part of uh, masculinity is that you don't want to come across as weak in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so vulnerability, people often put vulnerability in the weak category. I, the way I think of it is like more of like courage because if you're That's a good way to look at it, if you're, if you're willing to be vulnerable, then that means you're willing to take risks. It means mm-hmm. you're brave. What things like have you found like since you've been in therapy, like have you found to be like really good supports for you? Definitely like, opening up to people really helps me um journaling has been really effective with me like I get so heated with like emotions like I mentioned before and like the analogy like my therapist gave me is like if everyone has like a glass of water mine is like three quarters of the way full so if you add like a little bit of stress or like an uncomfortable situation my glass will like overflow there's like quote-unquote like a normal person their glass is like one quarter of the way full so they can deal with like stress in those uncomfortable situations so I find I just get overloaded with emotions and just like writing them out and then like taking your breath and then reading it like a few minutes later just kind of like helps me go over and sometimes I'm able to like go into that gray thinking and like identify the extremes and kind of like okay let's not go down that path today like and also just like being creative with things too. Like like I'm super into like writing poetry and stuff. One thing that's kind of like been mentioned in our house is to have like a weekly like house meeting and just, just like a little like, sit in a circle, whatever. And we just like share what's kind of been going on, whether it be like stressors from the week and also share like positive things. Cause everyone's like, oh, when people get together and start talking about feelings and emotions, you have to always like share the negative ones. That's not always the case. There's still like positive emotions too, stuff that makes you feel good. So it's just as important to like 
have a space to like talk about that. Stru- like creating a structured thing for you to mm-hmm. like a structured time for you to talk with with you with your friends or or family to talk about your week and stuff like that so that way like you know like you have that just one last question um Mm -hmm. if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self uh you know sort of going through struggles uh what would Mm -hmm. it be i would definitely say like don't be afraid to get help you are your own advocate for yourself and you can definitely have like support systems and people to help you kind of like work through the motions of advocating like use your voice and really speak up like hey this is what I need and it takes a lot of like courage like as you said Jordy just to like put yourself in that vulnerable spot I really like looking at like that way instead of just like it being a weakness sometimes I'll think I'm like if I would have gotten like started seeing like a therapist earlier on in life like would I would it change who I am today would it make things like a little bit better or like was I meant to only achieve like or go to therapy like now I would tell my younger self like just go for it don't be afraid to open that can of worms like and it's not always pretty but it needs to be done it really does need to be done you know don't be afraid to open up that can of worms I think is a great (laughs) that's a it's a great uh, place to leave off well uh thank you so much uh bella for talking with us today and sharing your story yeah it was just great talking to you yeah thank thank you guys i have to like appreciate you guys giving me like a space to just like start the conversation on it so it's been really good the shine cast is hosted by jordi lescard and marco paulino we're produced by rebecca skellhorn shannon brown emma hack kovacs arkhamal samra and melanie bowman editing is done by don matheson artwork is by emma hack kovacs if you've enjoyed today's podcast you can find past episodes of the shinecast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts to keep up with the wellness education and promotion center and our other projects at the university of guelph check out our instagram at wellness underscore ufg for resources and supports available for university of guelph students Visit us at our website, wellness.uoguelph.ca slash shine this year. Please don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Beautiful. Loved it. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only and should not be a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult a local medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. If you're a student at the University of Guelph, dialing 519-824-4120, extension 52131, will put you in contact with our health services team. There is urgent counseling available as well as mental health navigators and coordinators to support you further. If you require immediate assistance, call your local emergency number or Good to Talk Mental Health Crisis Line by dialing 1-866-925-5454.